welcome to Defen, episode number 65. Um, uh, official within... retirement age for this show, really, isn't it? Yeah. Aren't, aren't we oh, increasing yeah. the retirement age every year? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so by the time you reach the retirement age, it's going to be extended for another five years. So you, yeah, you I think with the financial crisis and all these coronaviruses, we've got to keep on working, you know, keep on grinding <laughs> exactly. out the Patreons. Exactly. Thanks for inviting me. Hey, welcome, welcome to the Defan. Uh, so um, I think uh, oh, we started. So fuck it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> episode number sixty-five, I guess. So um, it's the same uh, usual people: uh, Ray from uh, Belgium and Vijay from Holland, and our special guest today, Vlad. Yes, my name is Vlad. Hello, Vlad. <laughs> I thought your name was Vlad. Yes, That's I prefer true. I prefer if you pronounce Vlad. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, it's the so Dutch it's like way. A, it's the Dutch way. Uh huh. What What do you call that when you extend? Is it like a syllables or not syllables? Right. Still, still one syllable, but is it like yeah. a, a wow wow? No, no, that's true. But you know, Vlad. <laughs> uh, uh. What What is the What is the How do the you call the linguistic vowels. difference between Vlad and Vlad? Ah. If I have to write it down, hmm. I haven't. Okay, we're, ling- we're not linguistic experts here. So, yeah. so if if you are listening <laughs> to this podcast and you are the linguistic expert, and if you want to win an amazing prize of we saying your name on the podcast, please let us know. <laughs> Who the fuck is X? Yes. <laughs> um, so maybe it's a, a you know good idea to introduce yourself, Vlad. So tell us about your. Um, know what are you up to and uh, where did you come from and into closure i mean <laughs> where did you come from <laughs> exactly <laughs> i came from russia who, who, who <laughs> are you, oh man? my god oh my god yeah the russians are coming the yeah. russians are coming <laughs> they're invading everywhere <laughs> is this going to be a disinformation podcast sorry <laughs> is this going to be a disinformation podcast hmm. maybe we'll, we'll see <laughs> Probably not. Um, well, if it's a, if we've got anything to do with it, it will be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm from Russia. I uh, actually I studied to be a designer, uh, but later in the university I realized that I prefer programming. Uh, but I still got my degree, and I guess <laughs> I re- retain some desire for good UI and UX. And yeah, uh, so my path in programming started with uh, games. Uh, I, I was writing action script at my very mm. first jobs. So it was it was I was writing flash games for social networks. Nice. Yeah. Back uh, in the day. Yeah, and now where is the flash? Yeah. But how, how do you feel about um, you know Flash's funeral, official funeral? I I guess I moved on already. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't I don't feel anything anymore <laughs> about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you've 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 gone past it, and you're you're in acceptance now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> All the five stages are done now. <laughs> yeah. But early nice. on, I discovered Java, and I was blown away by its power, which I guess may sounds. Silly now, but compared to, 
<laughs> but compared to action script, I could write generics. It's like there was so much possibilities for that. Yeah. Uh, and then I discovered. That means you must have you you must have joined Java a little bit late then because they were only in Java five. So that, yeah. that shows that you're still a youth, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So I think we now measure people's age by, you know, oh, do you know Diamond, Java Diamond operators, you know, they're all the time. Like, ah, okay, now you know you're one, you're one dot seven, you know. <laughs> yeah, I joined, I joined Java and one dot seven. All right, okay. And then I yeah. ran Scala, and I was again blown away by its power <laughs> compared to Java. Um, yeah, and then I discovered Closure. And then, and I then you, you're just putting like you know you're not blown away you're just you know stably staying <laughs> because lack of power. <laughs> no, but then I was truly blown away because. <laughs> <laughs> so you blew away from Russia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Because uh, I, I guess yeah I just realized with that Uskala. I felt very powerful, but I struggled with actually writing stuff because there's <laughs> there was always this desire to, I don't know, make your problem uh, like uh, like the whole problem be checked at the compile time, and it's yes. it's, uh, it's it gets harder and harder, and eventually you realize oh, I I realized that there is not much benefit to it if I can just Prototype it in REPL and uh, have it working. Yeah. But what, what kind of projects did you do in Java and Scala before uh, coming to Clojure? Because you said you, you had you know a bit of a gaming experience in ActionScript, and obviously Java and JVM is not really known for gaming. Yeah, but I actually did try some games in Java. Uh, oh. Yeah, for Android only. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, which is, I guess, a bit strange for a mobile game, but uh, uh, that's what I could do. And I, d yeah, I didn't yeah. have access to iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, I think that one of the most popular games of all time is written in Java, isn't it? Minecraft, right? Yeah. Minecraft, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I currently work at King. Uh, yeah. Uh, which is, and as far as I know, Marcus Persson, the creator of Minecraft also worked at Kink. Ooh, and I didn't know. I, yeah, I heard some stories that he pitched this game to Kink, but uh, was rejected <laughs> because it, <laughs> they, they didn't think it, it will get popular. <laughs> yeah, that's like the Beatles, turning down the Beatles, isn't it? You know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> but this, this is that something. Was, that know, was a pop the... band in the 60s, by the way, of lads. So, so. <laughs> No, nobody knows your references. Yeah, exactly. I think no. by this time we're like we just not we were not boys. We were not. <laughs> <laughs> so we are at that situation now. But mm -hmm. um, I think uh, most of the games that King builds are, are are also mobile games now. Yes, and they are not written in Java. They are written in mostly C plus plus. Ah, okay. So what are you doing there with Closure then? Uh, well, actually, I don't write closure on my day job, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Then, then what brought you into closure from uh, Java to Scala to closure? Uh, well, I guess the the 
power to do what I intend to do. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess I feel the most. Um, so it's like expression, expressivity. Yeah, yeah. I feel the most enabled writing closure. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like you said with Scala or some other languages, you can feel like you've got a big sword, but you don't exactly know how to wield it. Mm-hmm. Whereas closure is, you know, you can definitely... It's a pocket knife. Yeah, it's a pocket <laughs> knife or a dagger or a scabbard. I don't know. A pocket knife. Is scabbard? Pocket knife the size a of the sword. You <laughs> <laughs> was a really long pockets, man. <laughs> nice. So, um... yeah, so I, I started in game dev, but then I thought that maybe more enterprise Java uh, yeah. pays better. So I tried also that. Uh, and I wrote some Java in a uh for russian government uh, <laughs> a little bit Ooh. nothing nothing about meddling with elections just <laughs> well i mean why would you say that anyway so i mean yeah maybe, maybe i'm obliged to say that <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah did and... you use any frameworks or something in enterprise java then uh like spring, spring or yeah spring yeah. boot i haven't yeah. I, I have never understood it i just just used it i just slipped slapped some annotations on classes and <laughs> and rolled with it yeah um yeah and then i discovered closure and was pretty happy with it and i mm. yeah i worked worked uh writing closure for a Russian logistics startup, mm-hmm. and then I moved to Sweden to write closure there at King. So I did write closure at King okay. uh, at the at the default editor. It's a it's a, default is a game engine for uh well for developing developing games. Yeah, uh, an editor for that is written in closure. So I. I joined the team. It was Ooh. very fun, but then King decided to uh, default on default. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm writing Java. Okay, but is the defaulting um, was it JVM closure or was it something like uh, Arcadia, like the Mono closure mm. thing? No, the thing is the the engine itself is written in C and C plus plus. Sure. Oh, okay. yeah. uh, and the scripting lang- language for the, this game engine is Lua, but oh. Closure is used in the editor for that. So you have okay. like a desktop application which is yeah. written in Closure that Ooh. allows you to iterate on this editor, uh, iterate on the game you do using yeah. this editor. Okay. So what is it? What is it? What you what do they, what do they use now for that? Hmm? Sorry. Is it still closure that you use, or did you just switch jobs, or did you um, did they decide to write it again in Lua or something else? Uh, sorry, I don't understand the, your question. The, the editor. You said you you stopped working on it. Yes, because King decided to to shut down the, the default. 
Uh, oh, they just completely shut it down. Okay. Yeah. Right, they, right, right, right. <laughs> they open sourced it, and there are like two guys working on it, and I hmm. I hope they will make it fly. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'll be able to get back to them. But currently, they just don't have enough funds to to mm-hmm. also have more people at the dev yeah. team. But I think using Clojure for desktop applications is an interesting choice, right? Because that 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 that's usually not that uh, common in the Clojure community, I would say. Maybe, yes. maybe using Electron. So how how did you build this one? Maybe this could lead into your your open source projects now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are slowly leading to CLJ fix. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So before joining King uh, and default team. I was I was in a small startup that they used Clojure on the backend and Clojure Script on the frontend. And yeah. I was using uh, Reframe and Reagent and was pretty happy about how this whole stack works because mm-hmm. from my previous experience using uh, in game dev where everything is super mutable, usually uh, it was very painful to do any UI. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I was kind of curious, like, how is it going to be a default? Do they have something like that? And unfortunately, they didn't. So, like, uh, they made the core of the editor, which is, uh, like, all about incrementally building your project and, like, uh, hot swapping parts of it when you are developing it to provide some REPL-like experience for uh, game dev. So they mm-hmm. had this uh, very functional core, but the UI for that was still this uh, imperative mess. So I, mm-hmm. uh, that's when I decided that there needs, there needs to be something like a React for, for JavaFX. Yeah. And and I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the CLJFX then? Yes. Okay. And and you built uh, the default editor in CLJFX? Or is it just no, a I mean, plain Swing application or JavaFX? It's JavaFX application. I mean, yeah. they already had it uh, when I joined them for yeah, like yeah. quite a long time. It was it's like a, quite a big application. Uh, yeah. So we started replacing like smaller parts of it with CLJFX, mm-hmm. uh, like where it made sense. But yeah. we uh, didn't have time to to rewrite it to use CLJFX like as a whole. Yeah. yeah. So what about JavaFX then? Hmm. I mean, I'm kind of like, uh, I don't know, it seems like a, maybe it's, it looked like an abandoned project a few years ago, but then I think there are enough people just about keeping it alive in in Oracle. So, or am I wrong now? Because I lost, I lost touch with it, a few, you know, maybe it's five years ago. What's the current state of JavaFX itself? Well, if you judge it by Twitter accounts of people <laughs> who maintain it, it's very rocking. <laughs> Right. Okay. <laughs> um, is it still maintained by Oracle, or is there is something called OpenFX or something? Yeah, I mean, because I remember there was some Open Dolphin at some point, and then um, 
some shit happened around so JavaFX was a part of the GDK distribution like yeah uh, in Java 1.8 and yeah. then they decided they want to split it apart and make that uh, like just a separate dependency that you can install yeah so they moved it out but as far as i know there are still like there's still team at oracle that develops it hmm. but now they're on github <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> So what kind of like changes have occurred in JavaFX in the last few years then that you've uh, noticed? You know, what's, I mean, I guess the question is you, you, you're you using it and are you just using it because you're using it or do you, are you yeah, using why it would you use actually, JavaFX? Yeah. Are you using it because you think actually it's a pretty good platform now? Mm -hmm. um, I would say actually, and this is maybe a little bit of a spoiler uh, before we <laughs> start talking about review, but I had some thoughts about, uh, like, had some vision of review even before I started uh, writing CLJ fix. Uh, I just, like, I felt that if I want this kind of uh, like visual tool to be extendable by people, mm -hmm. they, I mean, they wouldn't want to, to write. Uh, in this imperative mess, which is JavaFX, they mm -hmm. they would prefer to use something declarative and just like feeding data structures and be done with it. Yeah. Um, I think JavaFX is a fine framework, but uh, uh, it's like you know, uh, I, I would split it like my perception of it uh, in two parts. First, there is like a lower level uh, UI element like labels and uh, some layout like uh, grids and horizontal and vertical boxes. And those are great. Uh, but then there are controls and tables and charts and they are uh, very fragile and they they really go against you if you want to behave them differently yeah. uh, or look differently. Uh, so there are good and bad parts. <laughs> that would be my uh, opinion of JavaFX. Um, so the integration with Clojure then, is it because so JavaFX has, I'm assuming, does it have its own programming model? Like Swing, you know, because I, I did some Java desktop development a long time ago. And there was still the AWT and then we moved to Swing and then a um, mm -hmm. bit of an Eclipse RCP related things. So does JavaFX bring in like its own programming model that you need to um, translate into Clojure? How did, how, how does the, how did it work? Well, you just create mutable objects and call setters on them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And in addition to that, there are uh, like some sort of observable pattern that is used everywhere in JavaFX, mm -hmm. uh, where you can like bind every mutable place to another and. Uh, 
well, in Syllogifix, I just don't use it at all. Mm. I, I just translate the data structures to calls to setters. Okay. So in terms of like, like let's say React, React, like the idea of React is that the, you know you have a function to transform the view, um, but it's got a sort of you know a virtual DOM and all this kind of stuff. So um, how does that how does that play out with JavaFX? Is it just are you really just doing a straight pass through, or are you doing some buffering or some optimizations, or are you doing some other things that are like working on the making the rendering more efficient, or am I just talking out of my hat now? <laughs> I'm doing pretty similar thing to what React does. So right. it it has diffing. So yeah. uh, it's like you don't recreate the whole uh, like display graph uh, on every change. Uh, right. But but that, that's it. So so JavaFX is amenable to that. It's actually it's actually got a kind of like a view. You you can grab the whole view and do a diff on it. That's something that I'm quite impressed by. Actually, I didn't realize that JavaFX had that kind of. Um... But uh, I mean, I don't read from JavaFX. I just, I mean, all the diffing that I do is is a diffing uh, in from of closure data structures. Ah, okay, okay, I see, I see. It makes sense. So, so I see, like, I compare new one with the previous one and right. if the, if there are changes i just uh, call setters right so right, i, I right, completely okay. I completely ignore the the state <laughs> of of JavaFX objects and it okay. seems to work out fine yeah good <laughs> <laughs> how is the how is the threading model in JavaFX? is it something similar to swing because there, there it's must not be only one safe. white thread or it's not okay. thread safe, yes, yeah. and, and there is a UI thread, but yeah. uh, there are like in so it's fix there is a, a an entry point for that which does which is a thread safe, and you can just I don't know dedose it with data. it's 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 as dosing it. It's not distributed. It's a single distributed denial of service. just denial of service. It's dos it. Yeah, just dos it. Yeah, yeah, and and it will do all the deduplication for you, and will queue like the minimum amount of. Refreshes on UI threads. So even though there is like a phrasing model, when you're using yeah. CLGFX, you don't have to care about it at all. Yeah. Well, I guess except when you are doing event handlers, because they happen on the UI thread. So you sh yep. you shouldn't really do blocking I/O in your event mm. event handlers. Mm. But yeah, that's yeah. all. Okay. And, and how does this compare to things like, for example, Electron? Because these days, I think all the desktop applications, you know, they're they're basically built with this Electron framework, the web UI stuff, bringing mm -hmm. onto them. I mean, we're talking in Discord and all this shit. I think uh, Visual Studio Code and yeah, every every fancy thing is now built in. Uh, I don't know, twenty gigabytes RAM requiring <laughs> browser window running in a native application. Yeah, I mean, Clojure and JVM is also pretty intense <laughs> on resources. That's true. So it's not probably like... not 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 as much as the electron applications, but yeah, I guess I don't know. 
I mean, I'm using VS Code. It seems to run very smoothly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not every Electron application is like that, I would assume. Yeah. So if, if I were to compare JavaFX to Electron, I would say yeah. that Electron is a solid choice. But uh, I mean, as a language runtime, GVM, I think, is better than JavaScript VMs. And this is also true even when you're in Clojure, because uh, like they have different compilation models. And in Clojure, you can define markers in the same compilation stage, like in the same namespace. In yeah. Clojure script, you have to be very careful about that. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say like, a developer a development experience is better uh, when you are using yeah. the GVM uh, and yeah, if you want to be in the GVM, uh, then yeah. then I think JavaFX is a good choice because Electron is a different process probably. So you will have to there will just there will be just more moving parts that you will have to be careful about. Yeah, yeah, and also I think if you want to use all the libraries, uh, I think JVM has better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. access to those libraries I'm guessing I don't know I mean maybe now JavaScript ecosystem is, is way better now with node and shit and whatnot yeah well, I, I think the difference is that it's like I mean it's the UI part that the funny thing is I would have thought that again like the JavaFX is a bit starved of frameworks uh, or render you know sort of things to make it look pretty to things to kind of like to yeah to make the UI experience more modern I guess you know all the typefaces and all this kind of stuff, but I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, I guess like I I've lost a bit of touch with JavaFX. Is uh, does it have web fonts and all these kind of things, or you know, how, how kind of like startable is it compared to the browser, which has got tons and tons and tons of options and uh -huh. you know, resizable and scalable, all these kind of things that have been happening in the modern browser apps in the last sort of ten years. Yeah, I just was about to mention that that if you want some kind of typesetting then I think Electron and browsers are obvious choice because mm -hmm. they evolved from that model that the, the web pages mm -hmm. are documents of text. So you can mm -hmm. like just use Control F to find any text uh, on the page. Mm -hmm. This isn't possible in JavaFX. You have to implement it yourself if you, mm -hmm. if you need yeah. that. And like effortless, effortless zoom in or zoom out. Uh, mm -hmm. So in that sense, uh, web is better. So I think the, I'm not sure. I think maybe the JavaFX is more intended to replace Swing, right? I mean, like the building desktop applications, mm -hmm. which are not, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. you can't zoom in and zoom out into any native applications anyway, regardless of yeah. operating system. So yeah. I think it's the similar kind of, um, it's another stab at, okay, let's use Java, you know, let's deploy everywhere sort of shit. <laughs> That never worked, and, and they always looked ugly. And, and it, it's that there's a funny thing because the only application that um, even at that time that didn't look like Java application was uh, IntelliJ. I think JetBrains uh, folks were doing a lot of stuff to not yeah. to make it look like Java application. Mm -hmm. And every other thing by just looking at it, people can say, "Oh, this is Java application." <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. this one stinks, so I know this is shit. You know, <laughs> so. Well, the, the reason you could tell it was a Java application was it took about three minutes to start. Yeah, and also that stupid logo and uh, 
And then yeah. there is this abomination of Java web start or something. And that's another shit. Oh, yeah. Anyway, good old times. <laughs> <laughs> but JavaFX uses CSS for its styling. Ooh. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. So you're sort of, I mean, you, you can you can configure it uh, pretty far to look yeah. like something else. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you can configure it to just enough to say this is not a Java application. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think these days it's uh, the 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 difference is not going to be that difficult, especially given that all these electron applications they don't behave like native applications. So you know that the proliferation of electron-driven shit. You know, there's so many of uh, apps built in this one, and none of them behave in a reasonable way. <laughs> you know, you expect on a platform. So okay, yeah. I, I guess it's okay now. I think. I think the way I look the at bar it, though, is low. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. The bar is low. <laughs> but the way, the way I look at it is like a lot of these Java FX applications. The, the the I mean, it's interesting you say that, Vlad. I've got a design background because a lot of people use Java FX because they're Java programmers and they want to do something in the UI. Mm-hmm. And actually, the UIs are always shit. I mean, really terrible. You know, and the yeah. nice thing about Bootstrap and stuff like that in the browser was you could be a developer. Uh, in, in a and just use somebody else's CSS. <laughs> just use someone else's CSS, and it would kind of look half decent, you know. Even <laughs> if it, I mean, obviously, Bootstrap is kind of like aging a little bit now, and everyone's a bit pissed off with it. But it looks a lot better than most people's CSS did, <laughs> handcrafted web pages and stuff, you know. And I think JavaFX applications, you know, I, I'm looking at a few that I've seen in the recent years. Mentioning no names, <laughs> rebel, uh, <laughs> but ugly pieces of uh, code. Rebel just uses the default JavaFX styling. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I guess they need a better CSS. Yeah, <laughs> they should use Bootstrap CSS. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, it would be it would be just better. <laughs> exactly. One little line, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, but I definitely, you know, we're, you know, we're coming on to reveal, I guess now, the big reveal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the big reveal. It's time to reveal it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is reveal? Reveal the reveal. Uh, reveal is a redevelop visualized loop. Oh yeah, so, I like that. Okay. Yeah, uh, I was pretty happy when I came up <laughs> with it. <laughs> I mean, there's, the, as they say, there is the most difficult problem to solve, and then if you solve that one, like naming the thing properly then <laughs> yeah then, then you're pretty much done i like that i like that you went with reveal though rather than revel i mean yes. you know, yes. you could have went with that like you know Re- revel is a sort of like repel and revel in something is very you know you're kind of happy and so but reveal is more yeah because of the visual aspect so uh, i like that Yes, exactly. Actually, I still have like a private repo on GitHub, which is it's called Revel. It's called Revel, yes. <laughs> so that, that, that has early experiments. I, I just, at some point, I realized that it shouldn't be called Revel. It should be called no. Reveal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, I think you made a good choice then. Yeah. So, so yeah. what is the what, what is the idea behind it? So, ah. we'll start. Now, now we've got the hard now. problem out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, there are many ideas behind it, uh, mm-hmm. but I guess the main, like, I think the main vision I had for that is to be able to hold a value in your hand, which is, mm-hmm. I guess, impossible thing to do. 
but uh, uh, I guess I'm trying to get closer to that. And like as a as a step which brings you closer to holding a value in your head in your hand. Sorry, uh, is being able to to select it and do immediately something with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is, I think, one of the bigger like things about reveal. Uh, so can you can you explain explain it like I'm five? Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> 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 okay, three then. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Hello, VJ. Are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> Put the crowns down. Come on. No, no. Stop, VJ. Stop. 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 It's going to be like the Sesame Street sort of thing. Uh, my daughter is two year old. I can't explain anything to her. <laughs> um, so, what does it mean? It's a it's to hold it's, the value. It's in your closure, hand, dear. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Uh, well, to me, holding a value in a hand means being able to, uh, to like, I guess, uh, quite easily, I guess, see it from different angles just by mm. rotating your arm. Mm -hmm. uh, and if we translate this metaphor to a um, a desktop application model. Mm -hmm. uh, then what reveal uh, provides is a way to select any text that it outputs like when you when you print the data structure like you see a text and you can select parts of the text for example you you can select some value inside the map mm -hmm. and you can immediately evaluate some code in it so you just like, bring up a context menu uh, and can write any form that will do something with it. And there mm -hmm. is uh, there are many built-in like contextual actions for different uh, types of objects to to make ability to look at the value from different angles like closer at hand, which means yeah. easier. Mm -hmm. Like, so how do you compare this to Rebel, for example? Uh, it's uh, it's I mean, better. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, okay, you said it, not me. <laughs> it, it has better CSS, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least it has better CSS. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I remember when I was like doing early... Uh, prototypes of reveal and then rebel was released mm -hmm. i was very worried like oh shit now i have to compete with cognitect i'm doomed yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think the ideas behind them are uh very different so mm. yeah. uh, i guess to each their own their own uh what was i talking about so the difference between the comparisons and ah, yes. what your what your what you perceive the different visions to be yeah mm -hmm. well i think one of the bigger differences is that i don't use datafy which is a yeah. like a newer uh, protocol in which was later uh, added added into closure like pretty yeah. recently 
uh, because I think uh, like uh, when I develop something, I'm working with objects in the in the VM. Yeah, and uh, that Fi transforms these objects into something else. I mean, mm. it transforms it transforms them to data, which is I mean, usually it's very good because, I mean, if you are, uh, well, it's usually immutable and you can inspect it. But uh, the problem is that you had an object and now you have something else. So your ability to view what's in your process uh, is uh, reduced because of that. Yeah. Because you you were thinking you have uh, an exception uh, yeah. like object, but not but all you see is like a data fight throwable. Yeah. Or you and I, I think this is the the thing that an- angers me most is that it transforms atoms to single element vectors uh, yeah. for inspection. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it still puts uh, like the original atom into into metadata of that vector. But mm-hmm. I think it's very confusing when you when you try like to work with the atoms, but you just can't see them. Mm-hmm. So reveal uses different approach to that. It doesn't try to hide what you have, and instead it allows you to uh, see what you have from different angles. And datafy and nav is just one of those angles. So I, mm. even though I don't use them by default, I, I still have contextual actions for them if they make sense. Mm. So is reveal something like you're going to use, or, or so we use it in addition to the REPL, or can it be just like a REPL that I open? So how how do I use that thing then? I use it as a REPL. So I use mm. cursive, and there is, uh, like in cursive, there is a default out REPL output panel. Uh, and I just don't use that one. I just close that uh, when I start reveal, and I use reveal window uh, to see the output. Okay. So it's just like a, a window that is like on the on the side of the screen, which yeah, yeah. contains Looking output. Window. Yeah. Okay. So it can plug into. So essentially, you start reveal, and then you connect to that reveal session from your code. Uh, I mean, is no. it just normal REPL, right? You know, is yes, it a it, REPL it, or something it, that you can it, connect to? And uh... it's a normal REPL. Uh, yeah. Or I mean, it's many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And You're revealing one by one now. Yes, and <laughs> it's one. It's normal REPL. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a REPL itself that you can see from many angles, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I think. How do you the, hold a REPL in your hand? Yeah. <laughs> the simplest thing that is revealed is it's a function that has a OS window, mm-hmm. and when you call this function with some value, it shows it in that window. Okay. So you you can just create uh, this reveal windows at will uh, and 
and use them to submit values to them. And there are a bunch of repos, and they are just built on top of that mm. uh, uh, like lower level primitive. And they're just like lightweight wrappers of other repos that just submit values to that function. Uh, and it also has an REPL middleware because an REPL is popular. Yeah. Uh, so it has many entry points. You can use it as a REPL or as in as a part of an REPL mm -hmm. or just as a window if you want to submit only like very occasionally values to that. So so the editor integration is is just via REPL then. So it doesn't matter which editor you're using. So you can just connect to yes. uh, your code from that one. Yes, I think it's a great thing. Uh, yeah. Is that it's yeah. in process, and that means it's available to every closure ID that can yeah. send forms to REPL. I mean, the only closure ID that matters is Emacs anyway. So <laughs> as long as it works in Emacs, then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I still have, <laughs> I think I, that's for the one or two one or two people who are using other shit, you know, like ah, okay, you know. I still have yeah. I still have PTSD from Space Max. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know this, this this session is going to resolve that one. Don't worry. You know, we are here. <laughs> yeah, from I, I from your designer enough, point of view, um, I'm I'm pretty sure you know you you it it might be completely different experience, right? Looking at all these different editors. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter because reveal is available. <laughs> so just to just to escape badly designed editors, you had to build your own repo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think it might, it actually it also might be a good thing for ecosystem because it will it might make. It might uh, like lift the burden from the IDE offers uh, yeah. mm -hmm. to create like uh, exploration and inspection tools. Because mm -hmm. currently, basically every IDE has their own, and they are not transferable. It's like you yeah, have yeah. You, you have your debug panel in 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 IntelliJ, and that's it. It's only there. Yeah. 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 And then you have, you know, ciders inspect you, and again, it's only there. Yeah. But I'm guessing that you don't really integrate to the debugger, do you? Or is that, do you do that? No, but I don't use debugger. <laughs> no. And, okay. I, and I haven't felt the need to use debugger enclosure. Um, I think one honorable mention. Uh, here would be top. Uh, yeah. uh, so I used to use print lines uh, for debugging, and mm -hmm. now I don't use it anymore uh, because top is much more powerful. Mm. So yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's also a recent addition to Clojure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, I've got to say, reveal reveal to me, ha <laughs> ha. Uh, what, the, what the actual point of tap was, you know, uh, you know, it was fucking ridiculous, really. You know, the, the people who made tap couldn't explain it, um, but but actually, reveal shows that once you tap a value out to something like reveal, then it's just a data rather than a string. So therefore, whoa, you know, 
if you can hold a bit of data in a in reveal in your hand, then suddenly the print learn is a waste of fucking time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tap is brilliant, you know. Forget pretty print, forget print. All print subsystems are dead now. <laughs> <laughs> tap is the king, you know. Yes. <laughs> we just need to tap into reveal. Another pun. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> God damn it, we're not no, but it's yet. really okay. awesome. I mean, I, I'm really, yeah, yeah. it's super fabulous now that, that tap is suddenly like, oof, you know. Useful, yeah. It's suddenly useful, you know. Have you ever used it, PJ? No. No? no. Yeah. You, why would you? You're thinking, what the fuck is this thing? It just disappears exactly. into the ether, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like Datafy. And then, okay, you know, we heard about that one and then moving on and then. And then yeah, Rebel, yeah, oh, yeah. we heard about it, and then it's just going on. And especially yeah. if it is behind the closed source thing, and you know, like yeah. But I, I think in, I, I got to try a reveal, and then and then probably it will. Uh, uh, then I can tap into the awesomeness. Yeah. Oh. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so reveal can also be used for both closure and closure script, or I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. So how how, how does it? It works. So can I just open CLJS REPL into reveal? Um, it's complicated-ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still yeah. doable. Or... Yes, it's doable. So when I was thinking about reveal and designing it, uh, mm-hmm. I felt that there is not much need for this kind of tool in the closure script because uh, when you are doing closure script, it's usually in browser, and you already mm. have pretty powerful tools there. So you have like a, a page inspector and like and browsers console like yeah. output. It's actually sort of a reveal because when you console lock something, you, you don't lock strings; you lock data there. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. So, so you also can inspect from there. Mm. So I, yeah, I mainly felt that such a tool is needed in the GVM land. So mm. uh, that's why Reveal is primarily about the GVM. But mm. since, I mean, since Reveal is just a window <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and it can, like, you can wrap different REPLs, uh, Reveal in its like, default package uh, provides a way to talk to remote Apples. Okay. Uh, and that makes it usable or that makes it composable with the closure script, for example. So you can have a closure script prepple and you can connect reveal to it and you can evaluate forms and see your results in the reveal. Okay. But the, I mean, there is, there is a slight difference still is that when you, when you show the values in the real output window, they are the values that you received from the network. So they are not the, the mm-hmm. objects in the target process. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the exploration ability in that sense is limited. Mm. But I think it's still pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yeah. yeah, and reveal has uh, various table and chart views that uh, you don't have to do anything to use. You can just, just by having data in the proper shape, it really can show 
can show it as a chart or as a table. And uh, you still have this when you're talking to Clara Script Chapel, for example. Yeah. I think one of the things, because I, I work on a um, reasonably large closure script closure application, and um, uh, the front end is completely reframe and that kind of stuff, and then it uses the pneumatic tubes to send the events back and forth on WebSockets. I think one of the, you know, uh, over the period, I, I get really pissed with this these two REPLs and you know, all this stuff. And, and still the development experience is still kind of hacky. You know, it, it feels a bit fragile. So obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not a guy who can come up with new ideas. So I'm, I'm just hoping, you know, someone is going to think about this shit and then build a better tooling around this crap. You know, when I was writing only closure code, it was pretty easy because I just I just use Emacs and then I have Cider and then it's it's you know happy la la land, and then suddenly this closure script shit comes in and then there is figwheel, figwheel main, shadow CLJS and all this, and then we keep adding all these things and then suddenly there are two different places that I need to inspect the stuff in, and especially because um, they both are talking web sockets and and you know, uh, so th there is no unified uh, way. To, to resolve this, I think. Well, there are two execution platforms, so what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, but that's the, the, the that, that's what I'm saying. That it, it's, but the whole idea of closure is that you know to to have like okay, it's going to be the same language, and we have CLJC, and then it's the same kind of things available. That's um, not the idea of closure, in fact. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the, the the whole point is that you you use the same kind of structures everywhere. If I have no, like it's a it's a hosted language feature. Remember that. Yeah, then then that means there is going to be only JVM somewhere, and then we just use shit there. Now we don't need to jump between these repls, and you know, it gets so fucking annoying and frustrating these days. Like, oh, fuck it. you know what? I'm just going to write JavaFX and then screw this shit. Yeah. I think you've got your answer. Exactly. I think eventually give up and then just use JavaFX, and got everything is on JVM. So screw this. Yeah, just yeah. just a single process. Exactly. How simpler, how simpler yeah, can yeah. it get? Yeah, but it it is it is something that uh, if I had to explain this to someone who is pretty new to closure and then I'm introducing them to this project, it's it is slowly getting to a point like wow, this this shit if it is pretty difficult to configure and then mm -hmm. get your everything mm -hmm. up and running. So yeah, yeah, I would say this is one of the reasons why I love socket triples. Uh, over NREPL. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. have anything mm -hmm. against NREPL, but yeah. socket repls are just so simple. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. two streams in out. And, and what do you think of the uh, the the prepl then, Vlad? Because that the prepl to me is even more awesome because you're getting data out. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's like give give you've got socket repls, then you've got like data on top of socket repls. Ooh, nice. Yes, uh, I think prepls are useful only when you're doing like inter-process communication, because mm -hmm. then you have like data over wire, and this is like something easy to deal with. Mm. Uh, but if if you have like a repl in in the in the process, uh, then you just don't need it. I mean, just oh, that's true. Yeah, just have your regular REPL. So yes, I, I think it's great for uh, for networking. I think uh, 
I mean, talking about the developer experience, I remember there used to be this thing called Meteor Framework. Now with the mm. MongoDB as the backend and everything, I think they they, they tried to solve that uh, in, in a pretty decent way. I mean, starting a Meteor application and then it's a full front end and the backend and everything. So it was, it was much better, I think, at some point. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Reveal can do anything about it. Hello. Yes. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the, um, the the thing about Meteor again, it was it's like um, it's an island mentality, isn't it? So you know, if if you think that Meteor is the future and everyone's going to come to Meteor, then great, you know. But in fact, yeah. I think Meteor just like flamed out, you know, just like a Meteor would. So. <laughs> I think that that, that was you know, the it was, it was kind of in the name, you know. It was like, it was always going to flame out. So I think a nice idea, but it was never gonna never gonna win because the other islands are just too big, you know. So yeah, yeah. The server Probably. side and the front end are just yeah they're just dominated by other tech. So so reveal is built in CLJFX. Yes. Ooh. Okay. And you can extend it like uh, it has. Uh, pluggable extension point uh, where you can define your own uh, like contextual actions on yeah. objects, the contextual inspections. And yeah. you can also use CLGFX there. Uh, okay. So if you have your problem domain that is visual, you can easily build uh, a UI for that in Reveal. So what are the what are the future plans for reveal then? Or revealing uh. the future plans. <laughs> so <laughs> so is it is it in a production state right now? Like you know, people can just download it and then use it by well, going to vlad.github.io slash reveal. Yes, uh, I think it's uh, in one point zero for a couple of months already. But nice. I actually have been using it, I guess, more for more than a year. Like as soon as I bootstrapped it, <laughs> so it was usable as a repo. I, I just used that. Yeah. Um, but about future plans, there are some. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them is I want to investigate JavaScript and web support because yeah. JavaFX can show built-in browsers. Yeah. Uh, you you can build in a browser as a view. But uh, yeah, yeah. there, there's still like a big problem with that is uh, when you go from Java to JavaScript, like it is possible that you no longer have access to your Java objects. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the part that I haven't investigated yet, but I plan to do that. And for like enable continuous exploration of objects and inspection of them. Uh, yeah. Like one of the problems to solve is that I want to see, uh, is that I want to get a hold on the re- reference to Java objects from inside that JavaScript subsystem for reveal or hmm. how how can I name it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, so this is to be done and. Another big thing is, I would say, um, being able to control reveal from from the REPL. 
Mm. Actually, I got I got this this kinds of requests from Emacs users who, <laughs> for some reason, just don't want to don't want to leave their operating system. <laughs> <laughs> so they just want to control. I know, I know, I know how it feels. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it makes sense uh, to to do such a thing. I think yeah. it can be very useful. Uh, so I'll I'll think how to to make it controllable from the REPL or yeah. from somewhere. It would be nice because when you said a new window, I mean usually Emacs is full screen, so you know, like oh, I'm not gonna use any other windows here. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you've only got one screen now. Come on, that's not good enough. Yeah. Well, I have three now, but uh, everything <laughs> is just mirrored with Emacs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> one thing so, I was going to ask you, actually, uh, Vlad, in terms of like usability, I, what, you know, if we can go into the, if if uh, if I can get some user advice from you, um, the thing that I find a little bit with Reveal is that, like, I mean, I. I Use it on Linux with cursive, um, you know, like a civilized person, and um, the uh, <laughs> just <laughs> just to annoy VJ. That's the only reason I do it. No, uh, so when I open when I open Reveal and I sort of do things, all the views are kind of lined up at the top, but it, it kind of like runs out of screen pretty quickly. I, I, I navigating it seems to be a bit tricky for me. Am I missing some trick here with? Don't use Linux. The options are in terms of the UI. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I should read the manual maybe. But sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't understand the problem from your your description. Can you maybe reward it? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, it's okay. Not a bug (laughs) close. User error. Fuck off. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you know, you yeah. know the P B C S K S U thing. Like back in the day, it used to be like problem exists between keyboard and the chair. So. Oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, absolutely. That's the problem there. <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> no, no. So just, just. Uh, I'll have another crack at it. Okay. So let's say you right-click on some some map or some data. Yeah. And it comes with a list like Java Bean or Nav or Table or PyChart or whatever. So you, you click on something at View Table um, and it gives you the table, and this is all very nice. Um, then you click on Other Views, and that view is also, it's all part of like a line across the middle of, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. of a Reveal. Uh, so you have this long line of things, and you can you can go. You can kind of go left, but I can't find a way to scroll it. I can't find a way to, like, other than to sort of click on the left. Oh. It, it's difficult to scroll through. Maybe I'm, like I say, maybe I'm missing something. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, two points. First is that there is a bug uh, with scoring. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, okay. fuck you. <laughs> no, duplicate, close. <laughs> <laughs> it's either one fix or it's a duplicate. We know that it's okay. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> but do you know that? Oh, this is great. You know. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Do you know that you can use Control Left and Control Right to switch between like the views in the results panel? Oh, I didn't know that. No. There we go. Oh, yeah, it does work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
So if you, if you have multiple tabs there. Okay, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention uh, this is like a, a part of a more closer uh, plans of reveal is that I'm reworking uh, the navigation. One part of that is that I'm adding uh, structural navigation, and I will I will also experiment with uh, like how auto scrolling works. So right, okay. What does that mean to me? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. <laughs> it, <laughs> From your description. <laughs> Fuck you! We're having a good time tonight. Okay. You're going to be a repeat guest, Blyde. I mean, <laughs> sorry, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if I should, should say that. Please, oh, you totally should. Yeah. Please don't apologize. We invite people to tell, you know, basically that thing to Ray. Ah. That's why we invite people. Oh, come on, Vijay. <laughs> You've missed out for too long. Yeah, go on, go on, Vlad. Yeah, I'm planning to improve the navigation a little bit. So uh, it's like currently if you evaluate some value and it's like really, really big, usually you just the screen just keeps scrolling down, down, down. And right, right, right. You don't really. Uh, I think like when you evaluate something, you expect to see like the beginning of the value, not the end. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is one of the thing things I'm planning to experiment with. Uh, and another is a structural navigation, which is currently absent, mm -hmm. but I'm working on it, mm -hmm. and it's gonna be great. It's gonna be better <laughs> than any other structural navigation that exists. In the markets, <clears throat> maybe maybe this is like a this this question should have been asked like in the beginning. So, what is the inspiration for for review? <laughs> so, is there any prior art or something that you saw mm. or some idea that you got in sleep, like a DNA helix thingy? Mm. It was a long time ago. I think it was it was summer twenty eighteen when I started to think about review. Okay. And this this is all I remember. It does, it about, does feel a long time ago, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it maybe started with dev cards. So mm -hmm. I was looking at them and I had the idea of like having some similar thing for the GVM. But uh, mm -hmm. initially the idea was to have like like. Uh, like dev cards, sort of a pop-ups, like you know, post-it notes on the window that just mm. you know, appear when you request them and disappear when you request them to disappear. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but since then it's evolved to something else. Okay. So maybe dev cards. <laughs> so. Right now, so it's 1.0, and then you're working on a couple of uh, fancy new features mm -hmm. um, and structural navigation, you said, right? Yeah, this is uh, what's currently yeah. on, on my plate. Yeah, yeah. So is there something that, that because it's it's open source, right? It's on GitHub, so people mm -hmm. can uh, contribute. 
So is um, there something that you are you looking for contributions or are you saying okay fuck off you know open um, <laughs> open a Jira ticket and then fuck you, you know, a Jira we'll, ticket we'll oh my god <laughs> please we'll fix it when we fix it you know <laughs> Do you have uh, a Jira Vlad do you <laughs> Not yet but why not oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. It's free now yeah <laughs> Well um I mean, if there is something obvious to improve in code that that I'm, of course, I'm obvious, I'm open for contributions, but I'm not mm. currently seeking f- for contributions. And uh, I mean, I think the best thing you can do for reveal is use it use and it. tell me yep. about your experience with it. And I don't know. Whenever I've done that, I've always found that you've told me to <laughs> fuck off. So. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on who opens Sorry. the bug. <laughs> If you it know. is coming from deaf and people, you know, direct to dev null, fuck it. Yeah. I, mean, a, I mean, I guess in that sense, it's a proper closure experience, really. Yeah. It's not about me. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. there is a Slack channel in Clojureans. I don't people, I don't tell people to fuck off there. So you can, okay. you can, you, you can write there. Yeah, I mean, you don't. No, you no, don't it's seem very like, good. Uh, it's very good, actually. You're very, uh, very. What should I say? Very uh, affable and uh, charming host. Yeah, ah, thank DJ. you. And I think you know there there is a there is as as you probably with your design experience notice that you know the whole um, in general the developer experience is less concerned about the user experience. I think mm-hmm. most of the time, and um, it's. I did some flash development a long time ago uh, when it was still macromedia thing and you know writing code in different IDEs and all that stuff and it 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 never goes to a point where you you really like the tool and enjoy the experience and okay this is this is very well thought out mm. you know from from uh, user experience point of view well I mean apart I... from Emacs you know mm. well... <laughs> <laughs> oh he's great we're having a great time tonight <laughs> Mm, I, f- I think the jokes. Yeah, yeah. I think closure is about user experience. I mean, Repl yeah, yeah. is a great user experience compared to compiled languages. Like yeah. being being able to see the results of your code, the code immediately. I think that's a great user experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think. And then problems I work in them are sort of open, so it's mm. not like there's any obvious thing to do. For example, uh, I was I was rewatching a talk by Brett Victor, which is called yeah. "Invention on Principle," which is yeah, it's a very interesting talk. And yeah, uh, sure. yeah, I don't know if Closure was inspired by that or not. No, I think the Brett Victor talk came uh, later. I think. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or at yeah, least but... the closure script and you know the, the fig wheel thing probably inspired by Brett Victor thing as well. Yeah, I think it's a live editing sort of thing or live changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's like I feel that there is a unsolved problem that I currently can't quite formulate, but I can try a little bit. Sure. And sure. the thing is like. The tools he talks about, for example, are, mm-hmm. are for problem domains that are very visual. 
Mm-hmm. And for visual problem domains, I mean, using some kind of reactive uh, UI, it's sort of easy to build uh, interactive tools. But I think like the general programming uh, is not that visual. We are dealing with highly interconnected graphs of mm-hmm. I don't know what. Yeah, systems of components, yeah. Yeah, or symbols mm. that have different connections and and trying to display them like as a boxes connected with lines. I mean it's just it's just a complete mess. Uh mm-hmm. so I think there are there are yet no very not many good maybe visual metaphors for the kind of stuff we are usually dealing with like on the daily basis and well, I guess apart the visual problems that we have. Yeah. Uh, so this is another thing I'm thinking on: is that how do you make visible what is such a, an abstract thing? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, I mean, contrib- contributions for that kind of stuff are very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here well, is the I, problem. I think Go I, look, I look at. Uh, <laughs> I think one of the things that one of the things that I'm kind of interested in is these there's a lot of this stuff around like um like you say about like graphs and nodes and edges and stuff like that and there's a lot of there's still you know to me that's a very interesting like space because it, on the one hand it's kind of like it's very quick to get like an unwieldy graph um because you know you, if you visualize a graph that's got all these interconnected edges then it suddenly just becomes a kind of like uh, you know, just a mess. It just becomes like a like a spider's web, or you know, yeah, worse. Yeah. It just becomes like a total labyrinth. Um, but but you know, if you can say, okay, well, something along the lines of, if a particular predicate is true, highlight this truth through through the through the graph. You know, through through all the vertices, through all the edges. Mm-hmm. That seems to me quite promising. But I haven't seen much around that really. You know. In a lot of these kind of graph visualization things, don't seem to be that um, programmable. Yeah, or, or maybe they're just they're maybe just like the visual metaphor wasn't invented yet. Yeah, I mean, it's a lie to say they're not programmable. I mean, they are programmable in the sense that you can you can program them, but you know, in terms of like you know live live interactivity. Isn't this because we have, uh, it's too general, right? I mean, the, the, the problem domain is too general. And also, I'm assuming everybody, when, when they're reading the code, they, they will build this model in their mind. When, when they're working on a project, I'm pretty sure, you know, they have some idea of, in the case of closure, you know, how the namespaces are connected, how the functions are getting called by each yeah, other. Yeah, that, that was all the stuff, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what was bothering me from my very first days in in my career. Is that there is a code and there is a mental model, yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and they are different. And I build this mental mm-hmm. model from code like over the very long mm-hmm. period of time. And it would be nice yeah. if I was able to see, like, to to make this process of learning of building this model, you know, more easy. Yeah, yeah, tractable. I think, yeah. Well, I think that was the, that's see... the Brett Victor thing, though, isn't it? That's the Brett Victor thing is that you should be able to sort of visualize, uh, you know, like from the text to some visual thing, and then from the visual thing back to the text. 
but I think it's in a, it's a very elusive, um, yeah, it's a very elusive kind of dream in some ways. You know, he made some interesting examples, but it does elude us in the general sense. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like I feel that all his examples are sort of about visual domains, so mm-hmm. it's it's possible to. I mean, one example he gave that was not visual, but was the uh, the be the the the. I think he was doing a sort, a uh, quick sort. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, I remember this example. So there's like a an algorithm that you implement in a text editor on the left, and on the right yeah. there is a sort of a REPL output. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is, isn't this something like you know, code visualization is something kind of sort of you know, UML shit was trying to solve. <laughs> but because have they I mean, solved it? <laughs> no, they didn't. But that's what I'm saying. Oh, man, that's that, such a fuck that, up. Yeah. Because one of the, uh, for what it's worth, I mean, when if you have large Java code base, I mean, I, I can quickly whip up and then say, okay, show me the class diagrams for all this shit. Then, mm-hmm. then of course, you know, it, it will it will point to all the, the, the links are everywhere, so and then yeah, you could at least at least mix, you know generate that kind of stuff but yes. slowly uh, but this kind of tooling was was very popular in the, in the 90s i guess and then and then later you know none of the other programming languages nobody seems to focus on this side of the programming like how do i how do i visualize this one yeah because this I, is this is a big challenge when you want to explore the code right i mean i just want to open some some large code base and i don't know where to start from and then then i have to you know have a lot of uh, implicit knowledge about which modules are connected to what where should i start and these kind of things yeah i, I just think that uh, the metaphor of boxes connected with lines is wrong it's like yeah, yeah. it's very wasteful on space mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like uh, you know there's a luna lang which is a yeah, visual yeah. programming language yes and uh, I, like I just saw some demos of it, uh, where, for example, they like build the charts from like to uh, like stock market tickers, like yeah. Bitcoin and Ethereum, yeah, yeah. and like they have the the whole screen to connect three nodes, like Bitcoin, mm-hmm. Ethereum, and then something new that they connect to, and. Yeah. I mean, you can represent the same thing in text in like, you know, uh, four words or three words yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and some parents. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the, the text is, is already a, like a very visual and dense uh, environment. So I, yeah. I think text wins over uh, boxes connected with lines yeah but i think you make a good point which is essentially the kind of the complexity budget or the complexity capabilities of visual programming is very limited yes and i think that's essentially the the big issue is that but maybe maybe that helps in make. writing simpler programs you know like if you're, <laughs> if you're bringing the constraints in then then by the time you introduce the complexity, it will it will be in fucking in, in in your face and like oh fuck okay this is now getting complex now because we we hide away the complexity in text and then modules and then move that away 
I mean, obviously, rest of the 200 classes, I don't care about them. I'm only going to put an annotation in this tiny place and move on. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this, this shit will be much more visible if, if you know, uh, if it is visual. You know, that, 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 that's, the, that's the interesting part. But I think this, this keeps, uh, this kind of ideas keep coming to all these text-based user interface, right? I mean, there is this uh, new way of, wave of terminals, you know, that are much more richer rather than just plain dumb bash, you know, just piping shit into text in this way and that way. Yeah. And, and, the, and, and, the, and the, that is another place where people are trying with web tech or, you know, make, make everything clickable and that, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But isn't it doesn't it boil down essentially to to Vlad's point earlier, which is you know, it's essentially and and its closest point in general, I think, which is or it seems to be the the evolution of closure. That's the way it's going. Is it more and more and more and more things as data, and then once you've got mm-hmm. things as data, then they're innately more explorable and more kind of open than than text or you know kind of classes or things like that. You know, yeah, because they're just more obvious. More, yeah, more explorable. More, yeah. You can see. Oh, so until angles, until we solve this problem, like where it got revealed. Point. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the nice thing about reveal to me is that suddenly, as as closure itself is becoming more data oriented, and things like tap, which I didn't get before, but now I do, thank God. Um, you know, and and as a lot of the frameworks are moving towards data as well, you know, feeding data, you know as a kind of like input to how systems work, you know, use maps and configurations and this kind of stuff, mm. you know, then your ability to, to visualize those things, is going to be more powerful with things like reveal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, I can say that, well, reveal already has some interesting things that I am experiment with from time to time it's like for example it has a ref watcher uh right so you can create your view that is reactive on the contents of some ref hmm. and vars are refs so yep. you can create like a quick sort like uh example from brett victors where you can you can create like a watcher that watches your expression, like uh, your var that you iterate on, and continuously mm-hmm. like show the result of evaluating it. And you can yeah. like write some code, uh, send the form that defines this uh, this var, and it will immediately update it. Yeah, and I think that's really excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might be very useful, but mm. maybe right now it requires some setup. But uh, I mean, th- that's not a big setup. Uh, it's all yeah. mm. it's all uh, can be built from the like uh, built-in extensibility features. Uh, you just know that you just know you just have to know how to use it. Mm. Um. <laughs> you're, you're using yeah. it wrong <laughs> that that's you're another way to close the bug <laughs> you're holding it wrong 
No, I, yes. I think it, it's like it's very important to know that there is there exists something that you can use. Yeah, yeah. I think this is the this is one of the biggest challenges with the, with the new age UIs, right? I mean, the discoverability is is really a big problem, mm-hmm. and and obviously, you know, that's the reason why I prefer Space Max because of the discoverability. You know, I just press space and I know what is available. Yeah, and yeah. I think Actually, that is that yeah. is like truly, you know, not possible in any other. Uh, IDEs so far, uh, yeah. or editors, you know. Yeah, I, I really love this part of Space Max. Yeah. Uh, so Reveal also uses space uh, as a like the main shortcut to open the context menu. Ooh, so so that is that's where you got the inspiration <laughs> from Emacs. We know now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think okay, we're so... out of time now. <laughs> <laughs> So let's uh, let's talk about Space Max then. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's when we say, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, um, so in, any yeah. other any other things that you're that you're doing that um, worth a mention now? Because there is, uh, I think, mostly CLJFX uh, has multiple projects in it. I think, and Reveal, um, and also the the bigger problem space that you're thinking about. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if there is anything left to mention. Well, maybe. Well, I guess the problem is is that reveal is visual, and we are in the podcast where no one can can see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess I mean they can visualize uh, our podcast by now. You know, it's basically yeah. <laughs> bleeps, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'll be giving a talk at Cyclosh on seventh of November where I will give a presentation with slides and anything. And we will be talking about Reveal. So uh, if you want to have a look at it, please join. Perfect. I think yeah, hopefully, well, hopefully our, our episode will be yeah. before that 7th November uh, because yeah. we, our episodes usually lazy load. So anyway, ah. they're, they're going a little bit later, I don't know, and uh, depending yeah. on the situation. But if you are listening to this before 7th November, what time, by the way? The, the thing. Oh, I don't remember. I think okay, seventh November at some point. You know, we follow Cyclos Twitter account, and um, obviously the people at Cyclos they're they're doing some awesome stuff. Um, so if you are listening to this before seventh November, now you know. If you are listening to this after seventh November, we just told watch you the so. YouTube video. Watch the YouTube <laughs> video. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So on that, and I think uh, you've got some very nice. Just before we finish, I think you've got some very nice visualizations on the GitHub page as well, and animations mm. and stuff like this. So I think people can very quickly get a good feel for what Reveal does. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's sorry to invite you on a podcast. You know, <laughs> <laughs> our bad. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna make a live videos again <laughs> to show what is happening. But maybe I'm not sure. I think Ray, you, you can do this on Apropos, right? Then then you can show. Yeah, no, we we actually we featured should... Portal, so I might invite Vlad on uh, on Apropos as well, because then yeah, we yeah. can do uh, a YouTube where we do it on Discord again, but it's uh, it's all kind of streamed and live. So that could be another good place to for you to reveal, actually do a demo. Again. On. So mm-hmm. we can do a bit of cross promotional work here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that sounds great. Yeah. Right, excellent. Because obviously, I mean, the, the, the biggest challenge is how to visualize. Uh, you know, uh, how we have a hard time visualizing stuff in a 
audio based medium so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it makes sense to you know just show it you know instead of telling about it that's much easier i guess yeah i think this has been very good exploration of the ideas and of the architecture and stuff like that but yeah you're right yeah. we need another way to actually show it off for real <laughs> you know it's, it's a pretty excellent tool so you know i encourage everyone to go and try it out and have a look no matter what you editor all editors welcome so it's <laughs> Well, there is only one that matters. So, you know, <laughs> as long as it has uh, a connectivity <laughs> between Emacs and everybody is happy. And <laughs> sooner sooner or later, you will be able to control it from from the Emacs. Exactly, and then then it is the perfect world. You know, <laughs> everything should be controllable from Emacs. <laughs> We need reveal dot el. Really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay so on that uh, bombshell I think we can um, we can wrap up the episode. Thanks a lot Vlad for for coming on the show and then uh, you know uh, trying to explain something <laughs> such a visual thing <laughs> via via the you know uh, only sound um, but um, uh, you know I might I haven't thank you unlike I haven't tried it yet so I'm I'm going to give it a try certainly uh, then probably bother you with some questions on slack uh, when, yeah, when I get do. to a point where Uh, if mm. I cannot connect it using Emacs, uh, <laughs> <laughs> then, then you'll close it as won't fix. <laughs> I think that will be a big fuck off. <laughs> fuck off from me. And fuck off from him. <laughs> that's a perfect way to end the show. <laughs> exactly. So that's everybody. Fuck off now. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Thanks so, a lot, Vlad. It's been thanks, an thanks pleasure. again. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Same. And. Uh, and hopefully everybody is staying safe um in these times and uh, we will see you in another episode soon ish and uh, don't forget to check out or maybe you have checked out already 7th november <laughs> the the presentation by uh, vlad on cyclage uh, i think um, you should be able to see the links for them on the regular stuff like um, closure reverse closure reverse closure reverse closure reverse and um and also cyclo twitter account and all of the places and reddit so that's it from us for this episode thank you bye 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 thank you for listening to this episode of defan and the awesome vegetarian music or the track is melon hamburger by pizzeri and the show's audio is mixed by walter dullert i'm pretty sure i butchered his name Um maybe you should insert your own name here Dolet. Walter. If you'd like to support us, uh, please do check out our Patreon page and you can show your appreciation to all the hard work or the lack of hard work that we're doing. And um you can also catch up with uh, either Ray with me for some unexplainable reason. Uh you want to interact with us then uh, do check us out on Slack, Closure in Slack or Closureverse or on Zulip. or just at us at defen podcast on twitter enjoy your day and see you in the next episode
we keep insulting old guests, so they will show up again to kick our asses. <laughs> who is this? Who is this fucker that we've had on the show before? <laughs>